From the capital city, I'm Jordan Lewis. The Alaska House of Representatives on Monday approved a $6.4 billion state operating budget for the 12 months that begin July 1st, passing by a 23-17 vote, a major hurdle needed for final acceptance of the state's annual operating plan. According to Representative Delina Johnson from Palmer and co-chair of the House Finance Committee, this bill is far from perfect, but it is a good-faith collaborative effort with strong input from the governor. The proposal passed by the House now goes to the Senate, which is preparing an alternative proposal whose first draft will be unveiled today in the Senate Finance Committee. The legislative calendar calls for both plans to be combined into a final compromise by May 17th, the final day of the Alaska legislative session. If the work isn't done on time, an extended session or special session would ensue. The House proposal includes a $2,700 permanent fund dividend, $680 per student in extra funding for K-12 public schools, the state takeover of a major federal construction permitting program, and some increases in funding for education and public safety programs. Critically and controversially, the proposal also contains a deficit of almost $590 million, which would be balanced by spending from the $2 billion constitutional budget reserve, the state's main savings account. Yesterday afternoon, Juno police closed the Twin Lakes Park in order to investigate a strange package that had been reported in the area. Upon x-raying the package, it was found to contain toys and was no longer deemed suspicious or a potential danger to the public. The park has since reopened. Fox News settled a major defamation lawsuit for $787.5 million on Tuesday, according to the voting machine company that sued the top cable news network. The settlement avoids a trial that could have shed additional light on former President Donald Trump's election lies, revealed more about how the right-leaning network operates, and even redefined libel law in the United States. AP correspondent Randall Chase reports on what the Fox Dominion lawsuit is all about. Dominion is suing Fox for defamation and is claiming $1.6 billion in damages. The judge has already ruled that the statements that were aired on Fox programs were false. He used the term crystal clear that it was false. The question for the, for the jurors in this case is whether Fox acted with actual malice, which means it allowed those statements to be aired despite knowing they were false, or with reckless disregard for the truth. You can learn more about the lawsuit on our website, KINYradio.com. The American Lung Association's 24th annual State of the Air report highlights that despite decades of strong progress, including the air, Alaskans still face difficult air pollution challenges. Anchorage saw slightly higher annual particle pollution and more short-term particle days in this year's report with the wildfires in August 2019 impacting the results. Anchorage ranked 37th for the most polluted for short-term particles and ranked 175th for year-round particles. Anchorage received an F grade for short-term particle pollution, and there was no data for ozone. Fairbanks ranks as one of the cleanest cities for ozone with no unhealthy days for short-term particle pollution. Fairbanks ranked number three most polluted with fewer unhealthy days than in the previous report. Fairbanks also ranked fifth for most polluted for year-round particles. The annual levels worsened and Fairbanks failed to meet the national air quality standard. Major wildfires and wood stove smoke continue to impact. And Commander Adam Williamson, director of the United States Coast Guard Band, gives details for their first time the Coast Guard Band will be touring Alaska. Come hear your United States Coast Guard Band in concert on April 22nd at Thunder Mountain High School in Juneau. April 24th at Chugiak High School and April 25th at Colony High School in Palmer. Tickets are free and can be found on the Coast Guard Band's website. Semper Paratus and we hope to see you there.
Coming up next on News of the North, Lauren Varelli for Walk Southeast joined Capital Chat. Juno Side's first cruise ship on Monday, so Tourism Best Management Practices joined Action Line. And this date, April 19th, represents an indisputably dark day in U.S. law enforcement history. It was on April 19th, 1993, that a weeks-long standoff between the federal government and members of a religious group ended in disaster outside Waco, Texas. These stories next on News of the North with Jazz Garrett. You're listening to News of the North. Lauren Varelli for Walk Southeast joined Capital Chat. She encourages people to get outside through the program. So Walk Southeast, this is the fourth annual Walk Southeast actually, um, is a activity that we encourage people to get out and track their miles this summer and see how far they can walk all without leaving their community. So for judo, for instance, the challenge is to walk to Ketchikan, which is 297 miles. And they have four months to do it. And there's an opportunity to win some amazing local prizes and a chance to win two round trip tickets from Alaska Airlines if you hit the 100 50 mile mark. Varelli explains how the program started. We kind of created this program during the pandemic when people were just, you know, stuck at home and we wanted to encourage people to get out and stay active. So, and, you know, within their bubbles and it just kind of grew from there. Since starting, the program has expanded across Southeast. Last year, Juno won and Varelli's interested to see who takes home the prize this year. This is how to register. Registration is open until May 7th. You can register at juno.org slash parks dash recreation. And then you'll see right there on the homepage, the Walk Southeast website. There on the website, you can find, it doesn't matter what community you are in Southeast Alaska, you can find details on how to register within uh, that particular community. Wrangell, Petersburg, and Ketchikan, they have their own registration uh, portals. Juno and any other Southeast community can register through the Juno registration button. Juno saw its first cruise ship on Monday. Tourism Best Management Practices joined Action Line to talk about that. Alexandra Paris, city and borough of Juno's tourism manager, explained the recent five-ship limit agreement. In 2019, the mayor appointed a visitor industry task force, and that was a group made up of residents of the community and various stakeholders. And that group took a massive amount of public testimony and synthesized that all into a report with a set of recommendations for how we better manage tourism in Juneau. This was coming off of the lawsuit between City and Borough of Juneau and CLIA over how to use marine passenger fees. CLIA is the Cruise Line International Association. We had just negotiated a settlement of that lawsuit. The task force recommended that we take the negotiated agreement approach to trying to manage and balance and limit tourism. Paris says this is the preferred approach for both the community and industry in order to help manage cruise ship volume. She adds that Juno is one of three ports in the world that has a negotiated limit. Paris details why it is a five-ship limit. We currently have four docks and we have a space for a ship at anchor. There's a proposal to build a fifth cruise ship dock, so this would keep our current capacity in terms of number of ships, regardless of what decision the assembly makes on that fifth dock. It provides the community with the ability to evaluate that proposal at face value without worrying about exponential growth from from a fifth dock. It's the capacity we have right now. It's what we're we're used to seeing and it's maintaining what we have rather than going backwards. 
Elizabeth Arnott, administrator of TBMP, says they are here to listen to the community's concerns. Well, from tourism best management practices standpoint, we welcome the the business of tourism here in Juneau, but we know that it does impact the residents who live here, especially those that aren't involved in tourism businesses. Of course, that trickles down to almost every business in town, but to come here to to live a peaceful existence and then to, to have the noise of tourism disrupting you for five months out of the year, it's a concern, and that is one of the reasons TBMP was developed in the first place back in the late 90s. This date, April 19th, represents an indisputably dark day in U.S. law enforcement history. It was on April 19, 1993, that a weeks-long standoff between the federal government and members of a religious group ended in disaster outside Waco, Texas. ABC's Jim Ryan was there. It began on February 28, 1993, when federal agents tried to serve warrants on the Branch Davidians, whose leader, David Koresh, was suspected of sexually abusing children and of arming his followers with the illegally modified weapons. When the agents arrived, they walked into a hailstorm of bullets. Four agents and five sect members were killed in a shootout that began a 51-day standoff. It ended on April 19, 1993, 30 years ago today, in a fire that consumed the Branch Davidian compound. Jim Ryan, ABC News, Waco, Texas. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. I'm Jazz Garrett for News of the North.